This morning, Steve read from the first few verses of chapter 16 of our Parsha, Karach. And there's some thoughts I have before I get into the heart of this week's teaching. I didn't want, how many times can you talk about the rebellion of Korach? How many ways can you tell it? Well, the Lord gave me a different way. But I do want to make mention that you see Korach and his 250 friends came up and said, you've gone too far, all the community is holy, all of them, and Adonai is with them. Why do you exalt yourself above the assembly of Adonai? Over the past three weeks, we've talked about this. Who put Moses in the place of being over the children of Israel? God did. So for Korach to make that statement, why do you put yourself? He didn't. If we recall, Moses said, who am I to talk to Pharaoh even? I mean, I, I, I can't speak. I, I stutter. And then Aaron was chosen by who? God, to be the high priest. But some commentators have said this. If Korach and his horde were in 2017, he would be called a champion of democracy for speaking out against authority. And unfortunately, that's true. I I will not name names or parties. But you can think for yourself on that. And that's exactly right. If it happened today, the ground would not have opened up and swallowed them up. But back then, there was one authority, and that was God. There were no separate societies. There were no separate rulers that God ordained. So, having said that, Korach could have gone from being... The wrong in the wrong here to being in the right if you were in front of us today. I'm glad he was back then. He wanted to become, in essence, the high priest, and so his 250 followers were in agreement with him that he should be the high priest. After all, he was of the tribe of Levi, as we heard, heard this morning. But that's not who God chose. It wasn't enough that all of them, the Levites, were assigned to do the work in the tabernacle. The other tribes didn't have that opportunity. They weren't assigned that duty. Okay. So enough on that part of Korach. There was a story of a high school student that asked his father to help him write an essay on how wars begin. His father said, well, let's imagine we got into an argument with Canada. His mother interrupted him and said, but that's ridiculous. Why should we get into an argument with Canada? His father said, that's not the point. It's just an example. The mother said, if you had an ounce of brains in your head, you wouldn't use such a stupid example. His father said, who do you think you're talking to? I want want to teach my son how wars begin. His mother said, your son? I suppose I had nothing to do with him being here. You just found him someplace. The son interrupted and said, Please, Mom, Dad, I just figured out the answer. Isn't that about true about arguments and trying to make a, have a discussion? 
In my 61 short years, I've learned that some people just love to argue. Some people consider arguing an activity that to them is just like some people going to a ball game or watching, in my dad's case, Wheel of Fortune. He loved watching Wheel of Fortune. Whatever the topic is, we can think of someone we know that just has to be right. Someone who always has to get the last word. Some people even argue just to argue. They love it so much that they'll hold on to arguments for what seems like forever. In Hebrew, they're called Ba'alei Machloket, argumentative people. They're the ones that will be found following the advice of that great philosopher, Phyllis Diller, who once said, don't go to bed mad, stay up and fight. Now, in contrast to what Phyllis Diller said, Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, said in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 22, with respect to your former lifestyle, you are to lay aside the old self corrupted by its deceitful desires, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put off, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So lay aside lying and each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. We are members of one another. Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, nor give the devil a foothold. On the one hand, Rav Shaul kind of agrees with Phyllis Diller. You don't go to bed mad. But on the other hand, you don't stay up and fight. You come to a conclusion to that argument. You come to an understanding of what each another, each one, one another's viewpoint is. Sometimes we have to agree to disagree. Bot and I do that all the time. And then later on she'll concede and say I was right, but, but that's another story. <laughs> See, she said that's right. See, always engaging in arguments is not the way to make friends. And it won't make a positive influence on anybody. Bob Black used to say when people would come that you never, you don't know, or even people you've known in the past come just to hang out. Like last week, for instance. His fa- famous quote is, just be nice. You don't have to get in debates. You have to, don't have to get, bring up old stuff that causes arguments. Just be nice. Benjamin Franklin said, Remember, not only to say the right thing in the right place, but far more difficult still to leave unsaid the wrong thing at the tempting moment. How many of you have ever been tempted to say something and you realize if I say that, that's not going to bring a positive result? I've been there. I've actually let slip the things I should have kept 
kept inside because I didn't think about it before I said it. I didn't pray about it before I said it. And it caused even more of an argument, more of a separation. So this week's parsha tells us in number 16, verse 40, Lo yiyeh kechorak u kechadaso. So no one would become like Korach and his following, as the tree of life puts it. Another translation says, don't be like Korach and his congregation. So if you look at the Hebrew, you'll see uh, uh, in the middle there is adat, congregation, gathering, following. The sages looked at this verse and looked at it as a commandment, a command that we would not become a Baal Machloket, an argumentative person. Can you argue a point with someone and not be an argumentative person? Absolutely. But you have to remember one thing. You have to argue in the right spirit in order to make it not an argumentative spirit that you're coming out with. And, very important thing I found, some people will disagree with you so much that you try to make peace, but you still let your own stance be known. So you let them speak first, and when it's your turn to speak, they walk away. They don't want to let you make your point. The tendency for most people is to go after them and try to resolve. Sometimes it's not resolvable. person that's not willing to come together and reason is not necessarily worth chasing after. Now, there's no upside to being a Baal Makroket. None whatsoever. Because these types of arguments are often associated with other provisions. So you don't want to be one of them because the other things that are also linked with being an argumentative person are things like Lashon Hara, the evil tongue, revenge, holding a grudge, having hatred in our hearts for others, speaking hurtful words, and maybe the worst of all, is something called Chilul Hashem, profaning the name. Those things are linked with being argumented, an argumentative spirit, having an argumentative spirit, being an argumentative person. I don't think there's anyone here that wants to be lumped into that category with those associations. You know what the one of the worst things, and I'm sure I would get everyone raising their hands if I had asked for a show of hands. But many of those disputes start over little things, meaningless things sometimes, irrelevant, insignificant. Yes, to somebody it's very significant. But if we really step back and think about it, we wouldn't engage in those discussions. There's sometimes no rhyme or reason why people will argue except for a difference of opinion. To really 
worth getting into a huge fight and argument and splitting apart from friends and family because of a difference of opinion? Because if that's the case, you would never have any family, any friends hanging around you because we're always going to have differences of opinions. Now, even though he's usually misquoted, Rodney King once said this, I just want to say, you know, can we all get along? Can we? Can we get along? He's most usually quoted as saying, can't we just get along? But that's not what he actually said. How many have ever had to transport, a, a, if not yours, someone else's kids somewhere at some time? Oh, especially your own. But you know it can be a challenge. How many remember family rides? Especially when it's going to be a long ride. It can start with something as simple as, I get to sit up front. I'm going to sit at the window. She's touching me. He's making too much noise. I can't hear the music. And it goes on and on and on. We've heard those things in our car. And I'm sure many of you have. And, you know, I'm pretty certain when God looks at us during these little disputes, these little arguments, and he sees our disputes in the same way we see the disputes of our children. Many of them are petty. But as adults, our arguments are usually worse than the ones that we hear our children have, unfortunately. Think about it. Think back to when you were younger. And after a few days or sometimes even a few hours, didn't you usually forget what you were even arguing about? Why is it that we as adults have such a hard time letting it go and forgetting about whatever started the argument. Let's just be friends. Kids do that all the time. They'll fight one day, and the next day they're playing basketball or dodgeball or something together. We tend not to speak to someone because we got in an argument with them today. We don't think about them tomorrow. We let them evolve into bigger things. Today, maybe you're upset because you walked in and someone's sitting in your regular seat. Or maybe they didn't even speak to you when you came in. So next week, I'm not speaking to them. I'm not even acknowledging them. So today, your sibling said something negative about one of your kids. So next month, you don't go to their party because you're still angry about what they said about your kid. Forget that you probably were telling the truth about their kid, but you should never have said it in their minds. So today, someone didn't greet you. Today, someone didn't ask you about your sick parent. So, next week you see them walking down through the parking lot or down the street and they're coming right towards you. 
So you cross over the other side of the street so you can avoid saying Shabbat Shalom or hello. How are you? See, we can laugh at how silly and petty children act. Maybe we should start laughing at ourselves instead. So we do some of the same things, just that we hold on to them longer. But in reality, rather than laugh at ourselves, we should do more than that. We should do more than just hope that we can avoid becoming like Korach and his crew. We need to look at ways of obeying and fulfilling the mitzvah of not being argumentative. One way that we've talked about before involves our attitude. We should ask ourselves when someone's rubbing us the wrong way, is this something that's worth making history? Something that will follow us for the rest of our lives? If not, let it go. Leave it alone. So if we can learn to overlook and let go of those little things, let's face it, if we stop for just a moment and we think and then we admit to ourselves, most of the time, the things that bother us are just the little things. Nothing's huge, nothing, nothing major. Maybe if we do that, we can be on the right path to becoming... My, I know this, this is not grammatically correct, mixing Hebrew and English. Machloket free. So argumentative free. A rabbi that I know of tells this story. The day he was driving into the parking lot outside his synagogue and almost had an accident with someone coming in the opposite direction. The other guy was on his cell phone. But he was angry as they pulled up next to each other after the close call. He raised his voice toward the rabbi and said, I had the right of way. Why weren't you watching where you were going? Now, the rabbi admits that he felt the inclination to respond by saying, you were the one on the cell phone. Why weren't you watching where you're going? But instead, he says, spirit of sanity must have overtaken me and I held my tongue. In retrospect, he says, I'm glad I did because I certainly would not have convinced him of anything if I tried to tell him that he was at fault. And isn't that oftentimes a result when we get into arguments or disputes with other people? Nothing you say, nothing you do is going to change their mind. It's not going to rectify the situation. So why waste your breath? Batya has a habit of immediately praying in an instant like that, that the Lord touch that person and speak to that person. That's the way we should react. Human nature wants us to just lash out and say, you idiot, you're the one. I'm, I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm maturing. Little by little. Ambrose Bierce was a writer and editor. He said, speak when you're angry, and you will make the best speech you'll ever regret. Yeah, I've been there. Without thinking, without praying, 
without considering the person and the environment, I've lashed out in response to something. Wrong time, wrong place, wrong person, wrong words, wrong spirit. And if, that, if you were in baseball, you struck out five times. You struck out at three, at four, and at five. Another way to avoid becoming a Baal Makroket is by becoming more tolerant of other people. More importantly, their differences. Because sometimes the differences is really what becomes the obstacle. It becomes the problem. There was a letter that was written to the editor in the St. Louis Jewish Light back in 2008. And the content of the letter seemed like it was sowing seeds of discord and division within the Jewish community. So in response to that letter, Rabbi Shmuel Kay, who was at the time the headmaster of Epstein Hebrew University, wrote this. As an Orthodox community school, we have always valued the principle of unity and achdus, which means brotherhood, within the Jewish community, and look for ways to express this ideal and teach it to our children. At the same time, we respect differences that distinguish each of our communities. And, of course, he was referring to the conservative and reform communities in addition to the Orthodox community. So what he, Rabbi Kay was suggesting here was that we shouldn't ignore the ideological differences, the ideological differences between each of the communities, and they still exist today, by the way, we just need to keep our focus on what? The bigger picture. What's the purpose here? What is that bigger picture? It's the picture of what he calls achdus and unity, brotherhood and unity. Instead of focusing on our differences, we should find a common ground where we can actually embrace our shared values and ideas. So we change the focus from you do these things wrong, we do it right. We say, oh, we all do this the same way and it's the right way to do it. Turning our focus to something positive, something that brings a better light to the situation than what would happen, and oftentimes it still happens, when we express our differences. Prior to the war in Europe, the Jewish people didn't have many friends. There was one friend, and that was King Christian X of Denmark. When the Nazis rose to power, the citizens of Denmark, particularly the king, were extremely supportive as well as protective of the Jews. When the Nazis came in, they urged King Christian to establish an anti-Jewish legislation which was similar to what Germany had already put in place. King Christian refused. When he was asked why he wouldn't, he reportedly said, we Danes do not consider ourselves inferior to the Jews. Therefore, we do not have any Jewish problem in Denmark. He was also reportedly quoted as saying, our Jews, our Jewish people that are in Denmark are part of the Danes. Now, how someone developed that kind of perspective, the one that king of, the king of Denmark did? 
Why and how did King Christian have such a generous attitude and show that kind attitude to the Jews living in Denmark? I can't answer that with any certainty. But maybe by being tolerant to those who appear to be different is actually a story that's as old as time. One that comes from another story that comes from our scriptures. That's the old story of Cain and Abel. After the first recorded murder in history, remember God came to Cain with this infamous question, Ehevel Achicha, where is Abel, your brother? And, of course, Cain had an equally infamous response, which was, Lo yadati hashomer anochi. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? You notice what God said? God said, where is Abel, your brother? Now, didn't Cain know that Abel was his brother? So why did God phrase it that way? Interesting. It's probably because Cain being the oldest, he had a responsibility as the oldest to know, to be concerned for his brother's brother's well-being. Consider the person sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you this morning. Even if that person makes a rude comment to you, or worse, doesn't speak to you at all, they're still your brother or your sister in Messiah. The Talmud says that the same way every person looks different from one another, we also have different ways of thinking, speaking, and acting. And if you live long enough, you know that's true. People don't always act or speak the way you do or that you want them to. We all have different tastes. I like chocolate. But I like strawberry. Should that put us at odds because we like two different things? No, because you know what? We both like chocolate-dipped strawberries. See, we have differences about raising children as well. We have different ways of, on how we live our daily lives. What do we do each and every day? Do we all do the same thing? I think I can say absolutely not. I'm not an early riser. Many of you are. I don't go to bed early either. Many of you do. Why I'm not an early riser. The single best way to avoid becoming like Korach is to learn to be tolerant of the differences of learn the best parts of one another and focus on those, the bigger picture. Again, I, I like chocolate covered strawberries. Botny likes chocolate covered strawberries. But take the two apart, well, you know, she can have her strawberries and I'll eat my chocolate. But we can get along with that because we know the difference, we accept the difference, and we look at the bigger picture. 
even when it comes to observance of Scripture. Some are more observant than others. Some even have more knowledge than others because maybe they study more or maybe they just dedicated more time to it and even though someone else doesn't study as much, they're trying, but they haven't yet reached that level. So there are differences. But we're all part of the same, and, and I think it was, may have been uh, Charlene that mentioned earlier, family. We're part of the same family of God. We're, the, we're part of the same community. Adat Hallel is not simply a congregation. We are a community. A community where we all have value. And everyone here is a member of this family. I know that may, for some of you, be a very difficult analogy because you have difficulties in your own families and you see some of them are unresolved at times. And so if I'm using that analogy here, that means sometimes you're going to have disputes here that may become unresolved at times. That may be true. But it doesn't, does it make you less family? Does that brother, sister, cousin that you have problems with become less of a brother, sister, cousin just because you can't agree on something? They're still your family. I would encourage you at this juncture, if you do have those disputes and it's keeping you from being close to those people that you have an ought with, I say this. Be the bigger person. Go to that person. Reintroduce yourself to that person, that brother, sister, cousin. And say, hey, we haven't spoken in some time. Let's go have coffee together. But just make sure when you do that, you don't bring up that old argument or that old problem that existed between you. Get past that. Look at the bigger picture. We're family. We shouldn't be separated like this for all these years. We need to come back together and be a family again. So we are a family. W.C. Fields once said, I am free of all prejudice. I hate everyone equally. Well, we don't want to be like that. We're supposed to love everyone equally, not hate everyone equally. Lo yeye ke korach arsho. Don't be like Korach and his congregation. Remember to look at that bigger picture. Of the many little things that people do or say that rub you the wrong way, those things will after a while be forgotten. I have one example in my life on that. I had a dispute with a family member years ago. And after speaking to that family member, come to find out that he didn't remember the uh, issue at all. Only I did. So, oh, we spent all this time apart because I was stubborn. I thought we were both holding animosity toward one another, and we weren't. If we have really just take that step back and think about it, most of those things aren't even... Re- worth responding to 
let alone arguing about? Is it really important about the little things? If we learn to be more tolerant of one another and of others, as well as their quirks and differences, we can learn to avoid becoming argumentative. Let's face it, we know their differences. We know our differences. We know those little things that rub us the wrong way and rub them the wrong way. So I say, don't be an agitator. You know they don't want to hear this, don't say it. And when they say something that you know is going to cause an argument, sometimes it's just best to turn the other cheek and not even respond. Remember the words of Yeshua in Matthew 5, verses 22 through 25. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering upon the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent while you are on the road with him, on, with him on the way. Otherwise, your opponent may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the assistant and you will be thrown into prison. Make friends quickly with your opponent. Or the, as the New King James says, agree with your adversary quickly. Sometimes you have to just, as the saying goes, eat crow. And just say, so let's, let's talk about something else. And you may feel very strongly about the other subject, but you, let's talk about something else. In, clo- in closing, let us not go around acting like two young children in the car fighting about who gets to sit next to the window or sit up front. Let's remember the things we learn and share in common And what is that? We love the Lord. We love His Word. We love His promises. We love Israel. Focus on those things, not the differences. And I pray that we will all be united in the goal of building and watching our congregation, our community, our family grow and flourish. And finally, let's remember to focus on the things that unite us and not the things that divide us. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we thank you, we bless you, and we praise you. Help us to learn not to argue, but to quickly agree and move on. Sharing in a common focus, and that's you. Sharing in a common effort, and that is spreading the good news to others. And as we learn to focus on spreading the good news, we won't have time to think about arguments and disputes and divisions. I pray that we do grow into a healthy, vibrant community. I pray that we would not seek after people that aren't called to be a part. That You would direct people to us. That we can share with them Your good news. That we can share with them Your love. We can share with them Your Word. And we can join in the family together 
as one. In the congregation and community, as one. Draw us closer to you so that we can draw others closer to you. In Yeshua's name, amen.